This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are not going to be able to see the growth directly the next morning, but in time, if you if you start to really look at it in like a macro and a micro and zoom out, you will start to see the change, even though I sometimes feel like a hamster on the wheel. You become your biggest cheerleader. So for my mental health, I've really had to just say too, like, I believe in what I'm doing. I hold my ground and it's going to work. Let's take a breath. Hey guys, I'm Cindy Lutwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play. If you are new, Welcome to Something to Share. If you're returning, thank you for coming back. Today, we have Sabrina Zohar on the podcast. She is the creator and the founder of Software, which is a sustainable athleisure fashion line that is made 100% in LA. She got the idea to create software when her mom went to the doctor with a migraine, only to find that she had suffered from six aneurysms and had a 3% chance of survival. Absolutely insane story. Sabrina's mom couldn't get comfortable in any of the standard hospital clothes, and that's when she decided to create software. Luckily, that story has a happy ending, and Sabrina's mom turned out fine, and we get into all of that on the podcast. But I love Sabrina's energy, and she felt very relatable and familiar to me. She lived in New York for many years, and she just reminded me of so many of the really hardworking, really strong New York women that I know and love so well. New York City is definitely a hard city to live in. It's definitely got a lot of amazing qualities about it, but it will take a lot out of you and it will challenge you in every possible way. And I just have a special place in my heart for people who come from New York or have lived in New York or just get that lifestyle because I lived there for nine years. So I could relate to her a lot. And now she's currently living in Los Angeles. She made the move uh, around the pandemic time, which a lot of people were doing during that time period because we realized, oh, maybe I need a change. Or it gave us a space to really go internal and look at our lives and figure out what we wanted for ourselves. 
And Sabrina was one of those people. So she's now living out of LA. We go through so much in this episode from how she created the sustainable line, how difficult that actually is to create a truly sustainable fashion line and how a lot of companies are lying to us when they say that they are sustainable or that they're recycling or doing the things that are what she describes as greenwashing. Um, So if you're someone that is looking to be more sustainable, especially with your fashion choices, she gives us really great ways of how we can go about doing that, how we can find the brands that are actually doing that and how to, you know, lower our carbon footprint, especially when it comes to the way that we buy in clothing. And I know it's a challenging world. I know, especially being in the influencer space, it's kind of hard to not contribute to that. So she gives us really great advice on how to go about that. And I really appreciated all of her knowledge in that space. And we get into her story about her mom and what she leaned on to get through that really probably scary time in her life, how they overcame that as a family and how that has helped Sabrina go on this path and creating her own line. She is very honest, which I especially love. She's honest about what it truly takes to create your own business and your own line. She is honest about how much work it is, how not everything is roses and flowers, as sometimes people make it appear on social media or just to their peers and all of the work that she puts into it and how much she truly cares about the brand and what she's creating, which I find super inspiring. And I just love the seeing the reality behind what it really takes to create successful brands, what it really takes to create your own company and how sometimes things aren't always successful overnight and it takes grit and it takes really hard work. And I love that there's people like Sabrina showing all sides of that. I personally find that really inspiring. So we get into a lot today. I really think you're going to love this episode. She is quick-witted. We even get into things like dating and how she operates as a CEO and navigating this new space as she's moved across the country, all of the things today. So there's so much to take away from this episode. If you relate to it or if you know someone that could, please share it with them. Send it their way. Tag us on social media either myself or Sabrina or the podcast. I would absolutely love that because we're all about sharing here. My something to share today, I'm going to read you a message that someone sent me on Instagram and I literally got emotional almost. Renee is so sweet and I talked to her yesterday, so hopefully she's okay with me reading her words, but she was an OG beanie, she said. So if you remember from the original of this podcast, when I was originally starting it with Nicole from my season of The Bachelor, it was a completely different podcast. And now it's evolved into this new space, which I really feel authentic to and really feel inspired by, continue to create within what I'm making. Um, But sometimes I have days where I doubt what I'm doing or I I wonder if I'm even making a difference or I'm, if I'm even making an impact and if anyone's even listening. You know, sometimes I, like everyone else, I'm sure have doubt in the things that I'm doing, especially when you're trying to create something new like how Sabrina does on this podcast. Doubt can sometimes creep in when you're not seeing like overnight success or the results that you want or you what you see your peers or other people in similar circles getting that you you aren't. So I can sometimes feel that doubt or sometimes let that creep in, but I am definitely someone that perseveres and definitely someone that will continue to work at something even though it's way easier to stop. So I'm just prefacing that with saying how much this message touched me because I go through all of those ups and downs that I'm sure many people do in life. She said, hi, Sydney, just wanted to say how much I love following you. I find everything you post so relatable and honest. Love your podcast, especially with you and Nick on together. And I feel like you really treat your followers like friends. 
you would be my first pick of Bachelor Nation to meet. And I'm genuinely so excited for your wedding, even though it's not till next year. Just wanted to let you know that you're the best. And not to toot my own horn, I'm just really in awe of this message and how kind it was. You don't really get to see a lot of kindness on social media. And I really try my hardest to represent what I hope feels good to other people with anything that I put out in the world. Have I made mistakes in the past? Absolutely. It's all a learning curve, especially when you're going into something new like I did when I first got off the show. It's all very new to everyone. So it took some time, but I finally feel in this like authentic space and feel like I'm trying to be my most self, whether that's online, whether it's on this podcast, whether it's with my relationships, whatever it is, I'm just trying to be myself. It really means the world to me when someone sees that and when someone takes the time out of their day to send me such a sweet message. And that's something that I'm, I really want to be respectful of because one thing that we can't ever get back in this life is time. And we have to be very careful with what we put our energy and our effort and our time into. So the fact that anyone is on the other side of this listening to me, I just want you to know how much I am honored to spend this time with you, spend this hour with you, even though we're all far apart in the world. And even though I don't get to necessarily be in the room with you myself, but my voice does, or sometimes my videos do. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, you know, taking any time out of your week or any time out of your day and listening to what I'm putting out there, listening to this podcast. I don't get to say thank you enough. And I just wanted to take this time to say thank you to whoever you are out there listening. Just thank you for being there and thank you for utilizing your time in this way. It truly, truly means the world to me. And I just wanted you guys to know that. So that is my something to share. Sending all the love your way. I hope that you're well. And I hope that you enjoy this episode with Sabrina before you go. If you could share the podcast, that would be amazing. If you could write a five-star review, that means the world to me. And yeah, I hope that you enjoy. Please enjoy this episode with Sabrina Zohar. Sabrina, welcome to the podcast. Like I said, we just kind of jump in. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Things are good. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Likewise. Before we jump into all the questions I have for you, if you could describe who you are, what you do, and what your work is for the people who might not be aware of you. Totally. So my name is Sabrina Zohar. I am the founder of Software. And Software is a sustainable and um, ethically made athleisure line that's made right here in LA. Just moved here from New York. So I'm an East Coast mm-hmm. transplant that came out West um, with me and my dog in a suitcase to try something new and grow the brand out here. I love that. I did the same thing. I had been in New York for nine years and yeah. I reached a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I think that you either you reach that 10-year point and you keep going or you're like, I got to get out. How long had you been in New York for? I was at 12 years. So I- Wow. You I did was it. at that. Yeah. I was at that 12th <laughs> winter coming or the 13th winter. And I was like, I just can't do this to myself anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in how that transition was for you because it's always a different experience. I love talking to my friends who moved from New York to LA or vice versa. Just the difference. It's, I would say for any- Okay. I think the best way that I've had to put it is for anyone that's ever- Have you seen Love on the Spectrum? I love that show. Yes. Love that show. But you you know how like people look at them and they're like, whoa, it's it's mm-hmm. the bluntness or it's the it's different. That's how I feel like New Yorkers are in LA, yeah. where people are constantly like, Wow, you're really honest. I'm like, ah, I don't know yeah. anything else. Or like you're really quick. It's like I was in New York for 12 years. Like, yeah. So definitely a bit of a fish out of water feeling and still acclimating. 
hold on to that New Yorker though. We we need that out there. Everyone's just a little too slow paced out there. <laughs> oh man. I don't know if you saw the Overheard LA just did an LA or like New York transplants in LA guide. It's exactly yeah, what I saw. It was actually the most accurate thing I had ever seen. Also, I, I did convert to Alfred though, because uh, <laughs> it's some of the best coffee I've ever had. But just like the the praising of Erewhon yeah. and the way people date and all of it was so hilarious. It's truly a culture shock, even though we are in the same, you, you don't realize the United States, every state, every city is so vastly different that this isn't yeah. just, oh, I went to another country. I'm like, we're in the same country, but this feels like a completely different world here. So I've, mm-hmm. I've learned to hold on to myself and like your vibe attracts your tribe as cheesy as the saying is, it really is true here mm-hmm. because I'm now resonating with people that are feeling just as lost as I am in the sea, um, yeah. especially when it comes to dating or friends or anything like that, especially with work, with everyone being so slow to do anything here, which I actually don't even know if people work out here. We're still... Yeah, that's that was the running question around yeah. with the highway being so crowded. It's like, is anyone at work? It's so crowded. Yeah, or I'm like, how do you afford to live? And then you're going to like, you're going to Spain. I'm like, with what money? Everyone is in Italy right now. <laughs> I should. I, and here we are just seeing like a, a fish in a bowl, just watching. I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it. I know, it's amazing. But I, you know, hold it down out there. <laughs> hold down the fort. I appreciate you. <laughs> Always. Um, Before we jump into more questions on software, because I can't wait to talk to you about it. I ask these two questions of all my guests. The first one is super simple. Anything that you could share. I know you have it with you. An object from your nightstand, surprising or with an interesting backstory. So what'd you bring? It's not even, it's, it's, it's very basic. It is a plant. Now, the reason I chose her was because it is a reminder for me. Like when I, I'm about to make the most LA statement I think I've ever made. I had a Reiki session and she did some healing stuff. And after she came out, she was like, you chose LA because you wanted a softer pace of life from New York. It was so hard. It was so mm-hmm. go, go, go that it's like, you're almost watching paint dry when you live there. You know, it's yeah. like, if, if it's not done immediately. So I, I've been a plant lady for one too many years. And I got this guy when it had leaves, I think just two this size. And the reason I keep this by my bed is because it really is a constant reminder one, I need water and sunlight like a plant, but two, that the growth and the changes and the evolution that happen don't happen overnight. I've had her for a year now and I'm like, oh my God, we have six new leaves. We've got her giant little like diva stick hanging out. They're all like trying (laughs) to find the sun. And it's just one of those reminders for me every morning when I look at her that like, you are not going to be able to see the growth directly the next morning, but in time, if you char- if you start to really look at it in like a macro and a micro and zoom out, you will start to see the change, even though I sometimes feel like a hamster on a wheel and it feels like the same thing. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that you shared that. Yeah. And I, I can relate to that so well, even though I didn't have a Ricky healing session, that's exactly the reason why. I mean, I've been wanting one. I'm, I'm fully on board with it. Um, I just can't find those in Ohio at the moment, but or I like that you're bringing up that like slow process. That's something I definitely needed when I decided to move. And I think that pandemic brought up a lot of things for people, but a lot of it was that different pace of life and a different way of doing things. Yeah. And I think what I developed when I lived in New York was like, oh, I must keep up with the times. I have to be on this hamster wheel with everyone else or I'm going to be left behind. And I think it's interesting to take yourself out of that and see, oh, maybe I can do something differently or maybe I can move a little bit slower and maybe not reach the goal that I was getting to as fast. But 
really seeing where it takes me and how the twists and turns around the way and seeing that like growth can happen, not overnight, but it could be even bigger. And I love that analogy. Well, I think in New York too, it's like toxic productivity is such a thing. It's like, if you're not hustling, if you don't have seven jobs and you're not, you're, if you get more than four hours of sleep a night, you're doing it wrong. And yeah, Whilst I did that for 12 years and I was literally like working myself into the ground, I, I, I also compare it to like when I started working out, I used to never, I was the, the laziest sack of shit. I didn't do anything. I was this pack a day smoker. I was so unhealthy and I didn't want to get bulky. I didn't want to do all that. And so then I started working with my trainer now and she would always remind me like, it's time under tension. It's not about moving fast. It's not about going quick, quick, quick. The slower you move, the more you feel the movements, the more results you're going to see. And it's doing less reps at a heavier weight. That took a lot for me to process. To yeah. be able, and like I'll, every after every session, she's like, well, I'm just waiting for it. Because I'll go, okay, so what's next? And she's like, that's it. We did your five movements. You did your- That's plenty. <laughs> you, you are more than enough. And it's like, and then I started doing before and after photos. Going, oh my God, my ass grew. Oh my God, my waist got smaller. It's working. And it's like shifting the perspective to understand that even in times of the summer, like summer for us in software is very slow. Obviously it's not, it's just not our season. And this is my time to relax and to be like, it's okay. Come fall. I'm not going to be able to breathe or even remember what day it is. And that- yeah as a New Yorker coming here has been really weird and uncomfortable, but I feel like you have to do the yeah. uncomfortable to grow. Mm-hmm, but so necessary, right? Yeah. yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, oh, wow, I don't have to feel strung out all the time. Yeah. And I don't have to be doing 20 things to make it look like I'm being productive, but I'm actually not. I'm just like making it by. Yeah. So I was like, miserable. We were like the walking dead. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, anything that you can share on your heart or mind lately? It would be software related or just anything on your heart. I think honestly, what I've really been, I've been in therapy for three years now. And I think it's just within the last year that I really started to do the work and like actually hold myself accountable. And I think mm-hmm. within that, what's really been on my mind lately is just watching. I feel like in LA, I'm around a bunch of like oversized children where it's a lot of the Peter Pan, especially in the dating world, but like even just in people. And I started to really see, and it's, it's when weighing heavy on me, how many people are kind of walking around with this trauma and this just, these things that they don't want to face. And this almost like, um, oh, the cooler you, the more avoidant you are, the cooler you are. And I yeah. feel there are so many people I just kind of wish I could just hug and say like, it's okay to, to be, it's okay to acknowledge that maybe you're not feeling great today or that maybe today is just yeah. not your day. And it's, it's been kind of weighing heavy on me just watching so many people like wearing this mask and feeling like I have to be alone to heal. Otherwise I'm never going to. And what I've really been learning too, which has been a big growth spurt for me was like, no, you don't heal alone. You heal with other people. You heal relationally mm-hmm. because the second you take yourself out of your bubble and you put yourself with friends or with something and you get triggered, you don't understand it. And you're like, well, why? I thought I did all the work. Yeah. That's been really what's been on my heart heart and mind lately of like acknowledging those triggers, being okay with them, being soft with myself about them and saying like, oh yeah, this is normal. This is super cool. This is normal. This is how it should be. As opposed to like, I'm Mm going to seclude myself and I'm going to do all this work on myself and I don't need anybody and I'm this strong. It's like, that's, that's just not working for us anymore. Well, it's really, we don't have that luxury to just like pause our lives so much and like be alone and be introverted. I mean, we had two years, we were forced to do that kind of, which brought up a lot for people, but we don't have that luxury. And I I think it's, you can do all the work by yourself and take the time and do the meditating and the journaling, but it doesn't really show up and 
you don't see the growth until you've actually applied it yeah. and been around people and all the things. So yeah, I feel you. And it, it's it can be hard too when you when you've done that work for yourself and you feel like you're growing and then you can recognize it in other people who maybe aren't or are putting up a front about it. Yeah. And just like want to, like you said, hug them because from going through it yourself, have the understanding of what they might be going through, but they might be covering up with other stuff. Yeah. And you depersonalize yeah, it as well. Like taking yourself out yeah. of it. That's like the four agreements. It's like one of my favorite books and it's a very simple concept, but one of the agreements is don't take things personally. Cause very rarely, like someone, how, how someone treats you has nothing to do with you. It's directly how they see themselves. So when you mm-hmm. really take yourself out of it and you're like, oh yeah, it's not the, you know, it's not the Truman show. It's not the everything the world revolves around me. That's like been my practice on a daily basis is like, take yourself out of this. This has nothing to do with you and see how somebody else maybe mm-hmm. is living and going through their day because maybe they just need somebody to be like, Hey, do you need to talk? Yeah. Less pressure yeah. on yourself that way. Um, let's get into your company and all the things that you're doing. Fun. I would love to hear what's created software. Like what was your idea behind it? I know you worked in fashion before. How did you come from that fashion history, live in New York, doing all the things you're doing to creating this really beautiful company that you have? Thank you. Yeah. So true and full candidly, like never in my entire life thought I was going to be here. Like I, I just, I always thought my, I come from, um, you know, to my parents moved to America when they were, you know, my mom was 10, my dad was 23 and they came with nothing and very like American dream of, I had an entrepreneurial father who always instilled with us, like, you don't need to work for somebody else. You can do it yourself. And then my mom mm-hmm. who, you know, became a housewife and kind of let go of all of that. So like growing up with that dynamic, I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted my own independence. I just didn't know how. So when I moved to yeah. New York at, I had just turned 19, it was my 19th birthday. And I went to visit my sister. I just never left. Um, I went to acting school and along the way mm-hmm. it was like, this is not for me. I am not, this is not, it is above my pay grade. It was just not what resonated. So I went to fashion school and dropped out of college. Like so many great entrepreneurs have, um, and started working for a company in wholesale and that started my career. So I was like a buyer at first and then started doing the selling. And I did that for about four or five years and 2016, it kind of starts as a bit of a uh, there's a few things that got me to where I am. And it was like, really what started, it was my health and wellness journey was realizing when I was a pack a day smoker and I was on all these meds for depression and anxiety and, and truly just needed to fucking face my shit. Um, and I just, I cut it all. I went paleo. I changed my life. And that started this journey of like, okay, I want to do something in the health and wellness industry. And I was at the time working for, um, a showroom that was doing these high-end designers and brands. And I was Mm -hmm. miserable on paper. I had the Mm -hmm. best job. I was traveling everywhere and I was doing all these shows. I hated it. I couldn't wake up half the times. And at the time that's when like I started working out and changed my lost a bunch of weight and like really changed my body and was like, okay, I'm just going to get a job in the whole and and, and wholesale and in a fashion brand that's athletic. That'll solve my problem. And then my mom one day went to the doctor with a headache and she was like, something's going on. My mom's very spiritual. And she said, the ocean's yelling at me and I'll never forget my famous last words were mom, it's in your head. And I was right because um, sure enough, they found six brain aneurysms that corroded the top half of her vessel. So we have, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was pretty wild. We have two here, two in the back, and then one correct goes here. And she had them all over the top of her head, which controls your vision, your sight, or your vision and sight, your head, like all of your senses. Um, and yeah. just neck down pretty much all of your movement come from that. So mm-hmm. at first when she had that, I remember I told my boss and he was like, well, you don't need to go see her. So if you leave, if you go see her right now, it's job abandonment. And we're not going to pay you anymore. Ew, bye. And I literally, I was like, 
great. See ya. And I yeah. walked out and I was that like, made it easy. Made it so easy. And I was like, I bet. Then again, I had, I had, I had this, I had a New York apartment and I was like, well, what am I going to do? And so how I, do I pay for how do I get pay for those? Like I couldn't live in the East yeah. village without this job. I'm like, Oy. so let's just say savings went really quick. Um, but I went down to Florida where my mom is and I stayed with her for three months. And literally she was like a Petri. She was like a little dish. She was like a baby doll. She, if she had, not only did she have that, she had two dissections on the neck, which means there were two clots connected to her neck. So everything mm-hmm. they tried wasn't working. We had like three surgeries that were the whole family came together and we all had the house rental and we went to the hospital for 15 hours and we're, and then they come out going, we got some great images and we're like, oh, like it didn't work mm-hmm. again. And the only option was we, we have to shut down the vessel. And they were like, we're going to give her, I'll never forget. It was like a meeting with like 15 iPhones, all family all over the world was like on this, on this call. And I was with her and the doctor said, I'm giving you a three to 5% chance of them making it through. He was like, we have no idea what we're going to do. We've never seen this before. We had 12 specialists around the country and no one has any idea what the fuck this is. Great. And my mom instantly just went, she cried and then she stopped and she's like, all right, well, it's not my job to figure out how this is going to work. That's on you, but it's going to be fine. And I remember that's really where it all started for me of like mindset. Mindset is everything. And mm-hmm. at the time I started, um, I had wor- I found a job with an athleisure company. So this is kind of how I got into this world because prior, never even thought I would do basics. And it was this athleisure company and she had Modal, which is the fabric that we use, but it wasn't the blend that we have. And it was the only thing my mom could wear. So I brought her a bunch of the samples mm-hmm. and it was the only thing she felt comfortable with. And that's when I was like, huh. There's something here. And it made her feel yeah. into what she says now is it made her feel like a human. She's like, I, I didn't feel like a patient anymore. I felt like a person. And so we uh-huh. got her all this stuff, but it shed like crazy. You would say hi, and it would confetti out. And so that's when I was like, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And I yeah. signed a new lease, got this Brooklyn apartment, was ready to go, got all these clients. Sure enough, a month later, the woman closed the company, embezzled the money, all of my checks bounced. And that was it. You no longer had a job. So I was literally oh like, I, what am I going to do? I was, I was at my lowest. My mom was still in the hospitals, no job. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm fucked. And her investor said, come in, come up with a new concept. So I came up with software with my sister. At the time, my sister was a spin instructor. And we kind of went over mm-hmm. what's missing in the market. What are we seeing or not seeing? And every client kept telling me, I want sustainable. I want high quality. And I want made in America. But why do I have to pay $300 for it? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Try. Why, why should you? So that kind of set me out and I created software and then her business, you know, everybody kind of said no. And it wasn't until a friend of mine came and said, well, why don't we just do it? Like, let's just, I'll do the back end, you do the front end. And I was like, nah, I'm never going to do that. And then the day after my mom's surgery, she went in and I remember it was like, that was either going to be the last time I ever saw her again, or this was going to work. And we got a photo of her in the hospital bed with two thumbs up. And Mm -hmm. I literally called my friend and I was like, we're doing this. And I started the next day. Oh my gosh. Wow. I just like take a breath for that for a second. Right. That is such an incredible story. And thank God your mom's okay. First, I want to ask, what was it about your mom that she was so sure? Like, was she always like that? Or what? I know you said she's spiritual. Like, what was that quality about her that she was like, I know what you're saying. I know we have all these doctors, but I'm going to be fine. Like, what was that? So it's funny. She's piece. normally actually, kind of, she's been like negative in the past where she's very like, she's a neurotic Jewish mother who everything is like glass half empty instead of full. And I think it was because we watched, I had watched The Secret for like, you know, when I was like mm-hmm. 20. And I think she and I watched it again. And that was one of the parts where they were said, you don't need to worry about how or why you just need to know it's going to work. And I think mm-hmm. that just stuck in our minds because the doctor said, okay, we're going to put you on blood thinners. We don't think it's going to do anything. And she was like, I remember she had moments where she was like, this isn't going to work. I, that's it. I'm going to have to say goodbye. 
And I asked her now, I said, what, what made you realize? And she said, when I was in the room and they were doing the last surgery. And she said, it was a moment where she was like, I literally, I left my body. And she said, I saw, I I think she had seen like one, somebody. And she said, it's just not your time. And she came back into her body and she, all she heard the doctor say was, are you okay? Can you see? And she said, yes, I'm fine. And she was like, it's not like an alien going through her brain with all the machines. And he said, okay, we're done. Mm -hmm. And she said, it was just, she said it was like a very out of body experience. And she was like, I'm not done yet. I need to see my family. I need to see my kids and grandkids and poor woman still hasn't gotten any for me, but she was just, I think that was really what it was, was like a resilience to I'm not ready to go. And I think then it resonated with all of us of that's not even an option. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever had that Mm -hmm. where something happens and you're like, I literally can't fathom the negative. I can only think of this is going to work. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Um, I haven't personally, but I know my fiance went through a really intense, uh, he broke his neck in a swimming pool and wasn't supposed to walk again. Um, this was back in college, but like ended up being fine. Like, days later it's like a really weird story but his dad was like okay all these people were surrounding them and trying to visit and he was like no one's going in that room and crying we're keeping it positive we're not telling him fully they didn't really tell him what his diagnosis necessarily was so there was like no negative ability that was bring brought into the room and they just used a lot of humor and they made it through so i think there's something to say for sh- that power of positivity and just like leaning into trust. Yeah. And then it's all going to work out, you know, because what else do you have to lose at that point? Right. Well, realistically, so that's like, beautiful. Thank you. And yeah. it, it honestly, too, it's like, these are just doctors are just people. This isn't God. They yeah. don't know. Hindsight is 2020. Of course, after we could be like, well, what? And we, but it, it, the doctors are looking at your, your fiance or my mom and they're going, okay, well, based off the track record, this is kind of yeah. what we expect. But that doesn't mean, listen, somebody has to win the lottery, right? There's going to be a billion people that don't, but one person does. So I think it's just Mm -hmm. also looking at like miracles happen because we're all just humans and we're not in control, whatever you believe that's bigger than us. And if you don't, that's narcissism at its finest, but there's something that's bigger than us that is controlling all of this. So it's like, why put yourself through it twice? You might as well think the best. And at the end of the day, if it's the worst, you're like, well, I'm prepared. I had a good mindset. Exactly. With that leading to software, why was it so difficult to find those things? Because sustainability is huge right now and people keep using it as marketing and saying things are sustainable from what I've heard from talking to people like you and other businesses that that's not necessarily true. And it's a little bit more difficult than you would think. So what does it mean to be fully sustainable? And how did it work for you to get software to be that actually like sustainable line? So it's it's like a double edged sword. It's one of those things that the industry has only made so many advancements, like for instance, so we use a a fabric like when I was doing all this, we say from thought to thread. So literally down to the yarn, down to every decision that we make, I keep, okay, sustainable, local, ethical, all of those things in mind, because the number one thing I was like, I'm not moving this stuff overseas. We are not dealing with that. There are two, I'm I'm sorry, if I see one more brand made in Taiwan or Vietnam, and it's like, it's $180 for a pair of pants. Let me tell you, it costs about $3 to make that all in. So when you start thinking about, holy shit, that's a, that's quite a margin. I get it. Businesses have to make money, but then there's just highway robbery. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to sustainability, greenwashing is a huge thing. I'm not going to name names on specific brands, but there have been brands that say we're sustainable. And then you start literally lifting the veil and it's like, wait, 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 your fabric's polyester, polyester. It doesn't matter how Mm -hmm. you cut and slice and dice this, that is not a sustainable fiber. There's no, it's completely man-made. There's nothing natural about it. And the chemicals Mm -hmm. and into same with recycled polyester. It actually takes more to convert it into back into a fabric than it was if you just figured out what to do with it or made some offcuts or used it for pillow stuffing or something. 
then it releases the microplastics. It's all of those, but certain brands that say we're athletic wear that's made of recycled plastic water bottles. Guess what? Every time you sweat, that's going right into your pores because our skin is absorbing it. Every time you wash it, it's releasing microparticles into the wash. And the best part is they'll say, we know that. So use a bag to wash it. It's like, or come up with a different fabric. Think, be innovative enough. You guys have the money and the means. Whereas with us, so Modal, the fabric that we use, it's made from beech wood. So it's a literal, it's called biorefinery. And so this one company is incredible. They've been doing this for like 50 years and they take the, the beech wood, they convert it into a cellulose. And the reason that the way biorefinery works means that they use all of the wood. So instead of just taking the pulp and then getting rid of the rest, the rest of it, the energy that is created by converting into a pulp is what runs the factory. So it's completely self-sustaining. They have the way that they forest the trees doesn't impact the earth. So they can just keep growing them because it's, it's a beautiful method that they have to do that. And so that was super important to me. Then it was okay. Organic cotton, no brainer. But then it came down to the spandex aspect because with us, what makes it special, Modal, when you brush it, which means like you, you know, the inside's fleeced, when you brush it, it starts to shed. And that was what my mom's issue was. When she would leave the hospital, she'd see it would be black everywhere. And we were like- The black armpits uh, that you get from- It's it's infuriating. So with Modal, once you brush it, it starts to shed like crazy. And then it's like a hemorrhage. So we had to come up with a weave. We worked with our manufacturer and we had to come up with a weave so that the back is what gets brushed. And that's a different fabric than the front. And it was a method to the madness. Then we come into the spandex. Mm -hmm. And that was a decision I had to make of, okay, spandex is not sustainable. Our garments could be, without the spandex, could be biodegradable, which is so phenomenal. But if I don't have spandex in my shirt or in my hoodie or net, you can wear it once and then good luck wearing it again. You'll wash it and it will never retake its shape. So what is truly more sustainable? Something that you can wear once that's not going to hold up and then you just throw it away or something you're going to have for five years Mm -hmm. that has 5% spandex until the Mm -hmm. industry catches up with it, which they're making advancements. But as a small brand, we can't even touch the minimums it would require for us to get that. But we try to do everything within our confines to say we are carbon neutral. Like our, our, everything happens, our dye house, our cut and sew and our fabric manufacturer within five miles. So we literally have to drive about 10 minutes to get everything. So we keep our footprint really neutral and our warehouse. I do all my orders still and everything is done where we cut and sew is above upstairs. So I warehouse everything. There's no having to ship. We use recycled everything. All of every single thing is made in America. So I know where it comes from and I can see where everything is happening. Mm-hmm. It's about being 360, water reduction, non low impact dyes, solar panels on your building, using our offcuts for pillow stuffing. So we have zero waste so that nothing goes to waste. And at least we know that the, you know, you can't, when you're cutting, you can't use all the fabric, but we, we are. That is where I wow. think it's more than some of these brands that just go, we use sustainable material. Oh, we use recycled polyester. You're like, <laughs> made and then oh ethically made you can't control that ethically made across anything outside the u.s you cannot control that so you can say oh i did factory tours well guess what they know how to clean up the factory when they know that you're coming but yeah. realistically speaking they pay them two dollars an hour that's why your pants cost three dollars to make it's greenwashing horrible for someone who wants to find a brand that's sustainable besides software like when they're wanting to do better with buying and being consumers like what is something they should be looking for is it the tag is it doing more research like what is what are the key elements that we should be looking for in those brands i think it's the claims that they make you know like i have one there's one brand in mind and they started to say we take our offcuts and make new fabric out of it and we recycle it and that imp- instantly i was like you can't even do that. So I called my manufacturer immediately. And I was like, why can't we do this? And she's like, oh, because it's a lie. Yeah. She's like, that's complete bull. There is no way you can do that. She's like, honestly, you can't take the dye out of it. So if you're having all these offcuts, how yeah. are you making that into a new fabric? 
So it's like a patchwork blanket. Right. And it's like, (laughs) no one's doing that. Um, so I think that's it. It's more of like, I hate to say it, but I think just in our day and age now, it's questioning things. It's the same thing politically half the time with everything going on. I don't care what side you're on or where you sit in it, because it doesn't matter. It's all divisive, but question things ask, Mm -hmm. or I have people email all the time. I want to know, where do you get this from? And I'm like, no problem. Here's our affidavit showing you that I get our fabric from here and it's organic cotton. I have nothing to hide. So I think if you start questioning the brands a little bit more, doing your home, Googling quick research, um, writing in and seeing that I think will start to mitigate and like, stop looking at the ad, stop listening to the influencers, stop looking just because so if it says ad on a photo, you got to know that that person has money coming in, not to say that you shouldn't buy it if you love it, but if your goal is to become more sustainable and actually mean what you say and say what you mean, it has to be more comprehensive than that. Yeah, I was speaking with another designer on here and I'm a part of that whole influencer world, but it's very challenging because it's the whole industry within itself is not sustainable because you're getting right. receiving items all the time and you're like being told to try these things. And there's companies like that. that you can't really get the full spectrum of sure. what they might be doing or what they say is true, but it might, might not be. So I guess it's just a matter of like awareness and making that extra step of like really doing that research and figuring out if that's something that you want for your lifestyle business, anything like that. But I I love that there are companies like that you have done the work and I've, because I I feel like it would not be the easiest thing to try to accomplish, especially as a startup to like want to go throughout this whole process. But I like that you stuck to your guns on it. We're like, no, let's find a different way. Let's find a new way to make this or let's find a different fabric. And it shows that you put that love behind it and how you created this really beautiful product from it, Thank you. but not everyone is like that. No. And I think, and I get what you're saying. Cause I'm like, I have the influencer stuff too. And I think it comes down to like, do you trust the person? Like if I saw that you were yeah. doing an ad, I wouldn't go, Oh, I don't believe her. It's like, no, I trust that you have the taste to go. Yeah. I'm not going to work with a brand. I don't believe in. but it's, you know, yeah. when you start to see all of those, this, that, and the other, where you're like, do you actually love that way? Do you actually like it? Yeah. Because you lose trust in certain people because you're like, then you start to scratch and you're like, wait a minute, but that's made overseas. But I thought you said you love be, you know what I mean? You start to kind of, the castle starts to crumble. But mm-hmm. honestly, the reason most people don't do it, it's fucking expensive. It's really hard yeah. being made locally, sustainably. Like our costs have gone up 40% since COVID started. And I've had to oh explain gosh. that to consumers like, hey, our pants are only $88 and I get price resistance. And I'm like, I get it. We're not a brand that you know. You don't know who we are. You've never heard of us before, but we're still less expensive than all of Nike, Lululemon that's made overseas. And they, here's a question. How much do you think it costs um, a big brand to make a t-shirt, a printed t-shirt? Probably like a dollar. <laughs> Six cents. You're joking. My friend did sourcing for a big company. We won't say the name. And I literally- Most of those shirts are $70 that they're selling. Yeah. Six oh, cents. That makes you want to throw up. It may, because you then you start to realize there's no way anyone's getting paid fair. There's no way. And then it's like, what mm. fabric are you using? How are you getting it so cheap? Yeah. That's those are those little questions that you start to have to ask yourself of like, why are we our dollar is casting a vote? Why would I support somebody doing that versus a brand that might be small? Like I usually go for small brands. If I see an about us story that has a founder connected to it, I'm gonna support because I'm like, there's somebody mm-hmm. behind that computer that's super stoked. And I love that you are so involved and in, especially when you first started the company, you were 
doing everything. I mean, even on the website, you're the model for most of the clothing and all of it. It's lovely. Um, so what is that like? Like when you're starting a brand, like I know your passion's behind it, you want to do everything, but I feel like that could be kind of difficult to get everything off the ground. So what was that like? And what did you learn from doing literally everything in the business? So yeah. especially starting out. I still I still do, which is here we are. <laughs> um, what it I I personally I wouldn't have had it any other way because what it allowed me to do was like my mom always drilled that in my head. Do every single thing because then when you pass the buck and you hire someone, you can say, hey, by the way, I know what's involved in this. Like we had somebody doing our emails and he would say, well, you know, it takes me, I'm, I'm charging you two or three hours a week. And I said, for one email, guess what? Guess who used to do them? It took me 10 minutes. Yeah. That's when you can spend. And you also then realize where your strengths and your weaknesses lie. So like when, mm-hmm. when I, you know, I still pack all the orders because I like to do my handwritten thank you cards. I enjoy doing that. And yeah, one day when we get to the point where I can't keep up with all of it, like we're, we're, we're still yeah. getting there and it's starting to happen where I'm like, yikes, I don't know if I could do it all, but I enjoy that touch point. And I enjoy when people are like, wait, it's really you. I'm like, yeah, it, it is. This isn't a story. <laughs> um, but like I had to model, I had to do all that. I still do because that's, that's how a small brand goes. And I see so many friends that'll get, I got $150,000 investment. And I'm like, amazing. What are you going to do with it? Oh, I'm going to hire this person. I'm going to hire this person to hire this person. And you're like, you're going to spend all your money in the first month. And then what are you going to do when you, when that doesn't lead to a result yeah. and you have no money left? So we've, I've been smart enough. And then like, even over COVID when COVID hit, I honestly thought that was it. I thought I was going to close a company and I was going to be done. So I moved all the stuff in my apartment. I had a duplex in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and I had a warehouse downstairs. I had six racks and then I had about a hundred bins and I started tie dyeing everything and I would do custom orders. So if you ordered something, I'd be like, yep. Okay. You want this color? No problem. I'd make it in my sink. I was tie dyeing for about 13 hours a day and I did it all myself and I can die happy never doing that again. But (laughs) it was a proof of concept to say, holy shit, people want tie dye. Then we found a dye house and I was able to export. And I think that's the whole, like, don't run before you can even crawl. So like my advice to every first founder and entrepreneur is like, do everything yourself so that you know what to hire and what to do and where to put your resources, because then your time is more valuable to spend it on the growth versus fucking tie dyeing a pullover. I mean, you really were in the market. It's better than making banana bread like everyone else was doing during the pandemic. I'm very grateful that the tie dye saved our business and and scaled us to a different level. But again, I'm really happy to do that again. I feel you. I keep seeing videos like this of people being like, if you're in a job right now, like do basically the bare minimum, do only what you're supposed to be paid essentially for what you were hired for. Like, what is your stance on that? I feel like you probably believe differently. Like, what is your mindset with that whole theory of like only doing what you're being paid to be doing? So I think it's a double edged sword. I think there's a you should be respected for your time and your energy. So if I'm hired to do, let's say you're a social media manager. If your boss comes to you and starts asking you to like sweep the floors every day. Okay. Well, that's when you're like, well, Hey, but I wasn't hired for janitorial. I was hired for this, but I find that statement usually comes from people that have never owned a business because when you own a business and then I, and honest, I was that way. I used to be like that. I used to be like, "Mm -mm, no, I do sales. I don't know why. Why are you asking me to have that? I'm not doing that. And then I, and I started to see my, you know, you'd see your bosses tense up and all that. And they're like, oh, the finances. And it's not until you're doing it yourself. where like, I've had that. I've had, I had a girl that was doing my social and she'd go, well, you can't expect me to be on my phone all day. I was like, no, that's literally what I, that's your job is to do that. <laughs> and it was this, this like entitlement where I said, Hey, guess what girl, if you don't help us grow the social, we're not going to be able to make more money and pay you more to do more things. So I think it's yeah. that mindset of like, you've got to put your ego down just a little bit and understand that like 
you kind of have to do a little bit more if you want to scale within reason, know your worth and know what you're, you know, what you're being asked for. But yeah, I find that that statement comes from people that have never owned a business or have nobody in their life that has owned a business. Because if you did, you would know that that went out the window at 6 a.m. when you're answering emails upon waking. It's a completely different ballgame. But I think what you learn from doing it all and really putting in that effort really is much more beneficial than just being like, I only do this. And yeah. especially if you're just starting out somewhere, totally. or like if you're just like getting into the work industry or workforce. Yeah. Got to learn some stuff. A hundred percent. With scaling and as you guys are growing, I mean, you're in Bloomingdale's now, you're in all these fitness companies, which is incredible. How do you maintain like the integrity of your brand and all of the things like the sustainability and all of that? Like, how do you maintain that and grow as you are? I mean, I think it's just being selective. And, you know, we we have said no to clients before where we're like, that just doesn't make sense for us or the units don't add up or the dollars, you know, in the cents. But for us right now, on the contrary, actually scaling is, is easier because we have it implemented. We have it in place to where, which is what you need to do. Like when we started out, we said, okay, we're pricing at making, and we kind of fucked up, truth be told. I priced it at making a thousand as opposed to pricing at making 200, because as you scale, you'll save more money and then you can make more and things like that. Now we which is why we've had to adjust pricing because we're like, Hey guys, this is just what it is. Like we're a small business. We can't afford to eat up. Everybody else is hiring their costs. We, we have to compensate somehow. So mm-hmm. what we do is like, you know, the number one thing is when you're starting out, find out your minute, find out your tiers of like, okay, if I get to 500 units per style per color, this is the price. And then here, and then here, and then here, then you can start to figure out where the scaling is. And honestly, what it really comes down to is like tight and right. We tried it. We tried doing, let's all these new colors and let's introduce all this and let's do all this and let's try new styles. No, you focus on what made you, Lululemon started with one pair of pants and he made that one pair of pants until he became a household name and needed to expand. And I see it all the time. Oh, you should start this and you should do a kid's line. It's like, no, no, no. Let's perfect our five styles for women for now that are tried and true. We know that they sell. We know that they work. We minimize our numbers and so that we can scale and just produce what's selling and become more sustainable. So we're not sitting on a bunch of stuff. So I think if you want to scale, it's about asking those questions. How much do I need to make? Where do I need to go? And what's my goal? I love that advice. Yeah. That's, we always want to get to like the end of it all, or we want to listen to like our peers or people who are asking for certain things or the customer, but sometimes you have to just really stay true to your original vision and just like baby steps. Let me tell you. Watching the little plant grow. <laughs> Customers have no idea what they want. We did poll and I've, I've learned that. We did a poll and I did it multiple times. I said, what colors do you guys want? Like clockwork, the ones that got the most engagement were the lowest sellers because consumers <laughs> think that they know. And then when push comes to yeah. shove, they're like, oh, I want it in black. And you're like, <laughs> like true New Yorkers. But it's, it's yeah. also too, it's like, you have to have confidence. You have to know that if you started this business, you know what you're doing, right? That's why you're the founder, mm-hmm. CEO, whatever fucking title you want to give yourself. So trust that and know that when you're doing this every single day and you're going in and you're, you know what you're doing. What would you recommend to founders, people who want to start a company or who want to create longevity in the company they already have maybe? What would you recommend to those people? I would recommend that you should you solve a problem. I mean, how many times? It's like, that's why when I started software, my ex is a men's health editor. And we sat down about the fit and we were t- we went over it. Okay, what are guys missing? And he was like, I'll tell you what we're missing, something tailored. I go to the gym every day. I work really hard on my body. I'm sick and tired of street style. I don't, everyone mm. and their mother has street style. You know the waistband. It's the ruched waistband, <laughs> the ruched bottom. They look like you just rolled out yeah. of like a homeless shelter, but you just spent $200 on those pants. 
Not to say there's yeah. it's good or bad. It's done already. It's done. It's, mm-hmm. it's we don't need that. So for us, that's what's differentiating. You can't. It's tactile. So you looking at it go, yeah, it looks soft. Okay, cool. But you look at it and go, but I love how tailored it is. I love how fitted it is. That's why I'm going to buy. Then you get it and you're like, oh my God, the quality is incredible. Oh, it's so soft. We solved a problem and we did something different. And that's my number one advice. Like too many friends are like, I'm going to start this. Okay, cool. Are you making your own patterns? No, I went to a guy and he's doing that. I'm like, you lost me. You lost me. You're buying it off the rack. You didn't do anything different, but yet you expect that you're going to be the next big brand. Why? Mm -hmm. Unless you have a lot of money. Yeah. That helps. I'm going to get my fiance some of your hoodies because he loves a tailor more than anyone and he loves soft fabric more than anyone. So it's going to be made for him for sure. I always say was that during COVID, everybody would write in saying it feels like a hug. And that's where I was like, looks Mm -hmm. like a hoodie, but it feels like a hug because you feel like you're like cocooned and wrapped into something. It's just, it's different. We all need a hug. Lord knows that we do. (laughs) I know you used to work for those bigger companies and you said that you would go to work miserable. And then now that you have your own company, like has that changed? Like what was the differentiating factor? What was missing from working from those bigger businesses to having your own company? Because it seems like you're probably doing way more work than you were before. Like what's that factor? What's that thing that changed for you? I think it's it's a multitude of things. I think when you're working for somebody else, of course you get resentful after a while of why am I making you so much money and why am I working so hard to make you all the big bucks? And I think it was, I didn't believe in what I was doing. I, I struggled to sell. I mean, the gowns I was selling were $50,000. And it was like, it was a world. I, I, I'd love to be positive and say that one day I'll have that black Amex, but it might not, you know, it was a world of wealth that it was like, <laughs> this is, this is like fa- fortune 500 CEOs and founder, yeah. you know, private jet type life. that you're like, Whoa, I can't even relate to that. You know, me and my little like shoebox mm-hmm. apartment in New York. So I think there was that it was a disconnect. And Also, I think that, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, being a founder, you better make sure that you've got a great fucking therapist and a really good support system because your mental health is going to go Mm. so up and down. I cry multiple times a week. I am not like when people are like, are you living your best life? I'm like, shut up. Like, that's not, it's not real. (laughs) That's not a real saying. No, I'm not. And I'm sorry, I'm not. And I'm not shy behind it. And I'm not going to deter from that. But the reason I self-motivate and I get up every day is because I, I willed this life. I wanted to be able to have autonomy. I wanted to build authentic connections with people and host events where I could connect with others. I wanted to be able mm-hmm. to go to the gym at 9.30 in the morning and not have to be in the office. I wanted to do all that. So what did I do was I yeah. reverse osmosis. Okay, well, how can I create a life that allows me to do all that? And that every time you get those little wins, it makes you want to take the next step. It makes you want, it, instead of, you know, you work at a company and you're like, oh my God, like my job, I had gotten us, our budget was 15 million, how much we wanted to make. And I got us 20 and I was over the moon. Oh my God, 5 million over, but holy shit, I killed it. My boss just went, all right, well, good job. We'll see you tomorrow morning. And I was like, wait, 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 what do you mean? I don't get like a day off. Like I just, wor- I just did two months yeah, of traveling a party. <laughs> I didn't get anything. And it was not even a raise, not even a cupcake, nothing. It was just, okay. And it's like, you don't motivate from that. You don't motivate from somebody going, yeah. well, that's what your job is. So new doing it myself and let me preface. And I'm sure, you know, because you have your own stuff going on. It's not for everybody. This is not the, the buzzword of being an entrepreneur in our day and age of like, Oh, quit your job and start doing your own thing. Not everyone. You need to have yeah. people that work for other people as well. And it's okay to say, yeah, we need both. <laughs> I'm good. I don't want to be my own. I'm not a self-starter. I'm not self-motivated. Yeah. I just thrive in working on for myself, working from home. I get to be with my dog all the time. Like, 
it worked for me. Thus, honestly, the thought of getting a job brings me even more into a negative. But I would say like your mental health, it's going to take a toll. And if you think it's not, and you think it's going to be daisies and roses, girl, don't do it. Oh, I was actually going to ask you about your mental health because I know that you said you struggled with anxiety. Like, what do you do to support yourself? Because I have heard from also entrepreneurs, it's like the up and down of it can be enough to send you into a spiral. Like, what is what are your practices? What do you do every day for to support that within working on in your business? It's been a long road because when you think about, you know, you can have one month and you're like, oh my god, we are killing it, and then the next month you're like. Mm -hmm for three days of no sales, where, where is everybody? And then you, because it's not like a job where you're like, whatever, I'll get my paycheck. You know, I don't care. You, you don't really think about yeah. that money's going to end one day when it's your own. You're like, I can't pay our electric bill. If I don't do, you know, like people don't really understand a small business where I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. That means I can't buy groceries this week. If we don't, you know, like it's a direct correlation. It's been a journey of, I'm in therapy every week. I was twice a week for a while. And now I've been able to wean myself off. Um, exercise has been huge. I meditate every single morning. Um, I did ketamine treatments for a long time because hmm. my anxiety stemmed from a lot of childhood traumas and a lot of issues that it was the need for control. I love the, the, they always say depression is not being over the past and anxiety is the need for control of the future. So yeah. what will combat that? Staying in the present. And I've learned that surrender I've had to surrender. And it's like, you have to look at it macro. You can't look at it micro going every single day. Oh, we only sold one shirt today. Shit. Okay. No. But then you look at the month and you're like, Oh, Oh, never mind. We're fine. No, no, no. We good. We covered our expenses. It's, it's understanding the bigs and the littles sacrificing. I've had to sacrifice. I can't mm-hmm. do, I can't travel right now. I can't do a lot of stuff and having a really amazing support system. Like I call my mom 14 times a day, if that's a bare minimum to sometimes just complain of like, I'm, I'm so tired of this and I'll go on and I'll go on and she'll stop and go, okay, well, Sabrina, you know, maybe you should go get a job then let's, let's liquidate the company. And she'll do that. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I, I see what you're doing here. We're good mom. I'm gonna, and she's like, cool. Now get back to work. Perspective. It's per- exactly. And I think that's really helped me. And especially moving to LA where you realize like you're on your own kid. There's no, nobody here is helping you unless you can help them. So, oh my God, that's a big statement. Yeah, that's the theme. That's the theme. What can you do for me? Then I'll talk to exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like once you start to yeah. realize that people don't just want to connect with you to connect with you, they want something out of you. That's when you're yeah. like, oh no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. And you you become your biggest cheerleader. So for my mental health, I've really had to just say too, like, I believe in what I'm doing. I hold my ground and it's going to work. Is your mom so proud of herself for being like the inspiration behind this brand (laughs) mama is she even said it she's like i don't give a shit about the brand i care about you and she's like seeing you lit up seeing you passionate seeing you excited she she still helps me do inventory i'll fly her out to help me like she'll she'll literally come to trunk shows and she's so cute in the corner go software because she sees that what it did for me that it gave me a new Uh confidence to go oh i could do this i can do this on my own Mm -hmm. i can take care of myself i can pay my own bills i can do as an adult, that's really scary, especially as a single woman where I'm like, I don't have anybody where I'm like, oh, my husband can take care of rent this month. No. So she's, she's stoked. She loves it. She wears it every single, every time I see her, I'm like, you know, she's in a different color and it just feels nice that I can share it with her as opposed to having to think of her in memory. I love that so much. Thank you. 
One more question on that with like dating and other, <laughs> other things with you being such a like strong force and like having your own business. Is it hard for you to date and go into that world now, especially it being different from New York, which was also hard in itself, yeah. but is it like hard for you to be like a strong woman and go into the dating world? Is that difficult or is that easy? What's that like for you? It's, it's funny. I was listening to my favorite podcast. It's these two comedians and somebody asked them, oh, are guys intimidated by successful women? And he was like, nah. That's bullshit. He's like, it's, we're not intimidated. He's like, we might be intimidated without realizing it of like, oh, I'm not going to be able to live up to her. Those are those insecurities that start to come out in dating. But Mm -hmm. I used to think, oh, if I'm an entrepreneur, guys are going to like me more. It's going to be more sexy. No, it's not at all. They don't, they don't really care. (laughs) But I was talking to my friend yesterday, he's a big meditation guy. And he was like, do you struggle to get out of your masculine and into your feminine? And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, where the, the, the tap dance happens of, nowadays with every work equal and men and women and all that. And I'm like, Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm cool. I'm jiving on that. But in dating, I still want to be pursued. I still want access services huge for me because I am running my company all day. I'm always with the, yeah. that it would be nice to have a guy be like, babe, don't worry. You, you go relax. I got this. And you're like, yeah, I can be, the, I can nice. settle into my feminine energy and just be like, he's taking care of it. Not of it, it could be mm-hmm. a straight relate, straight gay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation. It's just allowing yeah. somebody else to 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 take the masculine and the feminine. That is what I've struggled with because so I, I can't I remember a guy, I don't do online dating anymore because it's just it's it's been a bunch of avoidance that uh hasn't worked out for me. And I remember a guy, we talked for like five days, and the New Yorker in me was like, Hey, all right, what are we doing here? And so I said, <laughs> Here's my number, let's get a drink. And he texts me, aggressive, don't you think? And I said, no, I think you meant assertive. And he goes, oh, same thing. And I was like, that's actually not the same thing. But that's when I realized like, you got to be in your feminine. You got to let the guy do it because it doesn't matter how much I'm forcing it. In my business, I can go head on and I can be a bull Mm -hmm. and I make the choice. But when it comes to dating, that's another person's choice. So you've got to learn to let go of that. And like at the end of the workday, strip it all and say, "Yeah, you know, that's not that's not me anymore. Yeah. You want to be able to ebb and flow. And we have all sides of both. Like we're all individually have masculine and feminine. So it's nice for you to be able to like, let go of the masculine. Cause you're in it for a long time. You have to be yeah. to run this business and be on all the time. So I'm sure it would be so nice to just let it go for like a little bit. So yes, I have high hopes that you'll find it. I hope soon. Yeah, me too. I was just, I was curious cause you uh, are such a strong force. So I have I'm sure that it's not the easiest thing, especially with dating in LA. It's a whole other thing, yeah. but the pool is smaller. The pool is smaller, but yeah. what does that mean? And people don't want to travel oh. <laughs> to different no, parts. No, the 405 <laughs> is the other side of the world. Um, but the pool is yeah. smaller. And like my friend yesterday, he was like, you know what? We just have to accept that our, that we're going to have less options, but that means that the options that you do have are going to be that much more special. Quality over quantity, you know? Exactly. Love it. Um, I have some final questions to ask you. They're very simple. Cool. And then we can wrap cool. First one, any, like, what do you want your clients, your, whoever buys from you, or even just like anyone you're on, what do you want to be remembered by or known for with your company or you as a CEO? I think just in life in general, the biggest compliment I ever received from people is like, I feel very comfortable around you. And I'm like, that is what I want to be known for because I feel like all day we're walking around being different versions of ourselves, constantly being a different person. So if you can cut somebody that feels like home, that feels like you can take that off and be like, let's talk. Let's have a real conversation. Yeah. I want to be known for that because like our customer service, I am like that with people like, Hey man, it's me. Da, da, da. And people are like, wait, it's really like, you're the owner of the company emailing yeah. me. I'm like, yeah, Hey, and I humanize it. And that's what I want to be uh-huh. known for. Aside from the product, be amazing. And all of that. I want people to feel like they can relate 
that that's why I'm very open about my mental health of like, Hey, I'm just like you, I'm not any different. I'm not any more special or less. I'm fucking, I'm putting my shoe on one after the one foot on the other. And I'm, I'm dealing with my struggles. So I think if I can make people feel comfortable, I've, I've, I've done, I've done God's work. Anytime you might've overshared or <laughs> said something or done something that you might've wanted to say differently, or do you own that? What does that bring up for you? All the time. Um, I've learned in dating. I used to lead with my trauma. I used to lead with, mm. oh, look at all these things that I went through and look how I overcame them. Instead of leading with, yeah. this is the woman that I am now. And that's just a byproduct and how I got here. And I think I used to overshare about, this is what I went through in my childhood. And this is what I'm going through. And these are all those things. And then you wonder why someone's like, oh, I don't know if I want to deal mm. with that because they don't actually get to know you. So I don't mm. regret it. I very much live in my own truth, but now I'm just learning as an adult, same with business, pleasure, relationships, anything to hold a few cards to your heart and lead with who you are. And the stories are going to come with it. You can share all of that later, but that doesn't make you who you are. It's just, you know, I wouldn't be as funny if I didn't have that shit. True. (laughs) You're very funny. One last piece of advice or thought to end us on. I think the only thing that really comes to mind is like, don't try to run before you can walk, like take things step by step, be yourself, be honest. Listen, like I said, we're all so many different versions of ourselves in a day that you can honestly, at the end of the day, I think that's why people have an identity crisis because they don't know who they are anymore. So if you can live in your truth and accept that, like, hey, not going to please eight, seven and a half billion people, right? Like not even pizza can do that. Not one, there's not one thing in this entire planet that everyone likes because there's going to be someone that goes, well, I'm gluten-free and you're like, that analogy. So I think it's just accepting that of like not taking it personally and just you know, like it's, it's a, it's a step-by-step process. You got to love yourself to the point that you can, and you have to accept yourself for who you are, because not to say that that excuses bad behavior. If you're a shitty human, or if you don't treat people well, or if you're avoidant and you have issues, no, no, no. You don't just accept yourself. You got to work on that. Yeah. work on. But I think it's just that reality and self-awareness. That's a big thing that we're lacking these days. Um, and so that's Mm. my last little bit of, uh, stoicism there. Magic. (laughs) Um, I loved this conversation. It was so nice to meet you. And I, I agree, you are very easy to talk with and very open. And I really appreciate that. So thank you for that and everything that you do. Where can everyone find software, buy it, find it in store, anything like that? Right now we're predominantly online. So it's wearsoftware.com, W-E-A-R, soft W-E-A-R. And uh, yeah, just where software is our Instagram, our website, everything. And if you reach out to anything, you'll get me. I love it so much. Um, Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for having me. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.